Oh my. Oh my goodness, you just wrecked me. Oh my goodness sakes. Thank you very much. Oh my. I'm a 50 got here early, early. Uh, plus 10, plus 10. Not yet, 28th, but. And, uh, you know, Meg Ryan's on my birth- same birthday. Isn't that crazy? Personality type? I don't know, Michael Scott, but thank you very much. Gosh, can I have a copy of that? Oh my gosh, that was great. Where's Declan? Oh, I guess he's downstairs in the big boys church. Thank you very much from the bottom of my heart. You guys are awesome. I love you all. Really do. I love our church. We're in a series in the book of Ephesians and, uh, called Real Church, and the last few Sundays I've been uh, uh, winnowing that down into some different thoughts as we're going to hit different themes under the main theme of the book of Ephesians and Real Church. And uh, we're talking about setting the heavens in earthly places, and as I was uh, constructing that thought, which I put together a couple months back, I was trying to refine it down this week, and I thought uh, of this one phrase, in a, in a time with the Lord, and the phrase is, let's bless them with the everies. And I'm going to explain to you what that means as we get into it. But before so, uh, the author of the book of Ephesians, of course, is the Apostle Paul. And Paul tells us in the very first few verses of the first chapter that grace and peace is flowing continually to every believer from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, to every single person in Christ. And he says he has blessed us. And we looked last week that the word blessing comes from two words in the Greek, eu, which is a prefix, which means good, and logia, which means words. So it's like saying God's blessings are actually God's good words. And I was blessed this morning by those good words. And and that's, that's what it does. It does something to, to us. And he's blessed us. He's good-worded us with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Would you pray with me? Lord, we ask you to continue to give us the Holy Spirit as the Apostle Paul encouraged us to pray, that the eyes of our understanding would have light flooding it so that we might know the hope to which you've called us, the glorious riches of this inheritance we have in Christ, and the great power that's available to every one of us who believe. And it's like the power that raised Jesus from the dead to seat him at your right hand in power, and we are seated with him, raised up with him, seated with him in heavenly places, and gifted by him to do amazing things for the glory of God in the earth. Help us to see ourselves as you see us, that we could see ourselves as you see us, and we could see others, because that's what we're going to talk about today, that we could see others the way you want us to see them. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to set up this message with a short bio on the author. Paul, who uh, the, uh, Ephesians was written probably in the in the early late fifties A.D. early sixties at the latest, and uh, Paul, uh, who was Saul of Tarsus, was converted probably uh, 27, 28, 29 A.D. Not long after Jesus 
uh, a ghost back to heaven. Um, when we first come across him, his name isn't Paul, although that was his Roman name. He was gone by his Hebrew name, Saul of Tarsus. And, and when we come across him, what we know about him is, is, is he is filled with biblical truth, at least in his own eyes. Do you know anybody that's filled with biblical truth in their own eyes? But it's Well, Saul of Tarsus was that. And he was filled with biblical truth in his own eyes until he met Jesus. And, well, actually, uh, Jesus met him, and boy, was that an understatement. If you know Acts 9, Jesus really met Saul of Tarsus. And then he would go on to, to basically write two-thirds of our New Testament. Two-thirds of the New Testament is penned by Paul. Before he became Paul, the New Testament writer, as Saul, he had a passion for the things of Jesus. And he was filled with biblical truth in his eyes and had a passion for the things of Jesus, but this was the kind of passion he had. He hated Jesus with a passion. And he hated people who loved Jesus with a passion. And he was on fire for God, he thought. He thought his fire was from God, and he thought he was doing right. And here was the description of the fiery Saul, full of the Bible truth in his eyes. He mercilessly persecuted the church of Jesus Christ, and he went from house to house to drag, literally drag, men and women out of their house and put them in prison. Why? He was on a truth crusade in his eyes, and he was sincere to the bottom of his heart. And it says like this, during those days, Saul, full of anger... Threats and rage wanted to murder the disciples of Jesus for God, for God. And he went, went with authority from the, the Sanhedrin to Damascus, Syria, where a number of Christians were growing and becoming uh, stronger, and he wanted to get them, arrest them, and think of this, Damascus, Syria to Jerusalem is a long way. And he wanted to drag them, literally drag them from Damascus to Jerusalem. Drag them. And outside of the city, something happened. A blazing light shone all around him. And an explosion of glory took place in his life and knocked him off of his feet to the ground. And he was blinded by the light. And he heard a voice that said, Saul... Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he says, who are you, Lord? He knew it was the Lord, but he said, who are you, Lord? Can you imagine the next three words? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Now, rise up, go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Meanwhile, for three days, he eats nothing, drinks nothing, he can't see, and there is a disciple of Jesus by the name of Ananias, and we're going to talk about him in another message. He's praying, and in a vision, the Lord says, Ananias, I want you to go to a street called Straight, and there is a man named Saul of Tarsus, and he's thinking, hmm, I know him, Osama bin Laden of the first century. Hmm. I want you to go there. And I want you to lay your hands on him because he's praying and he's seen in a vision a man come to him to lay his hands on him and he'll be, he'll be able to see and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so this happens. This happens to Saul. Scales come off his eyes, literally, but I also think figuratively. 
And from that moment, over the next 30 years plus, Paul tries to chase down the Jesus that found him on the Damascus Road. In 62 possible A.D., maybe months, if not less than a year before Paul is executed, simply because he's on fire for Jesus, but a different kind. He is in love with him and his church. And he writes to a young pastor by the name of Timothy and describes what took place 30 years ago. And he says, I thank Christ Jesus who considered me faithful, calling me into his service and strengthening me, even though I was a blasphemer and a violent man and a persecutor of God, but I did it in ignorance. And he had mercy on me. And he poured out on me with abundance the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus so that he could point to me as an example of his, ready, unlimited patience. Unlimited patience. The Holy Spirit began to show Paul the everies. And he devoted himself from that moment on to allow what God showed him through the Holy Spirit to come out of him and serve the church and preach anywhere, everywhere, regardless of it, the cost to him. And he would even write to the churches, and he writes to the Ephesian church in the third chapter, and he said, listen, I don't want you to feel bad concerning the sufferings I'm going through because they're for your benefit. They're for your benefit. I long to preach to you the unsearchable riches of Christ. That was the theme of his heart. That was the path of his life. He summed up his ministry in that way, to preach the unsearchable. I want to share with you the Everys. In God's grace, we've talked about that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have an ushering program. They are always at work seeking to usher people in to this marvelous grace that's available to whosoever will in Jesus Christ, right? And uh, we've been talking about that because God wants you and I to be a part of that usher program in the world and in His church, of course. And so last week we began to talk about how we can do that in a practical way. And I want to start out where we left off last week with Ephesians chapter 4, and let's just go back there and build on this, where Paul tells us by the Holy Spirit that each one of us, each one of us as believers, grace was given. How much grace was given to us? According to the measure of Christ's gift. That's how much grace is available to you and me. That's how much grace and gift in this. When God puts a gift in us, and there's probably more than one in every believer, because he doesn't hold back, but it's according to the measure of this Jesus who did what he did. God has good-worded every one of us in Christ. God has blessed us with the everies. With every spiritual blessing, individually and corporately, together, every church, in every city, across America, and Western Europe, and Asia, and Africa, and South America, every church is blessed with the everies, blessed with the everies in Christ, according to the measure of the gift of Jesus Christ. He's good word at every one of us. 
That means God wants us to see the everys. God wants us to say the everys over ourselves. One of the best ways to get out of the pit and stay out of the pit of depression and despair is to speak the everys that God sees. Speak them so your mind can hear them. God can literally reroute channels in our brains to, re- to remove the, the, the negative patterns and replace them with positive patterns by speaking his word. But he not only wants us to see the everys on ourselves, he wants us to... He wants us to see the everies on everybody else in the body of Christ. And he wants us to say the everies on everybody else in the body of Christ. And he wants us to display the everies on everybody else in the body of Christ. And he wants to, us to, listen, he wants us to give away the everies. You know why? Because freely they've been given to us. So we need to freely give them. Right? Because love isn't really love until you give it away for free. Let's give them the everies. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm about to give you the everies. Now, if you're a single guy and you're next to a single gal, say, please, I mean that in all biblical terms. (laughs) All biblical terms. I'm about to give you the everies. You know what would be great? I don't like Tim Skiles being, not being here. But, and I'm so thankful for Tim Skiles and Roberta Skiles and every other Skiles and whoever. I'm so thankful for everybody that enriches this church with your, with your smiles and your love and your grace and, and taking your place in this place. But I'll tell you, God, give us a hundred more Tim Skiles, right? Because Tim Skiles knows you. And yeah, he loves you. Yeah. Did I say it right? He texted me this morning, asked if I'd give him a couple. No, he didn't. God love you, man. But you know what I love about him? It's what I love about, the, this is the Jesus part of him. And he's got a lot of Jesus part in him, in him, a lot. But the real Jesus part that you, you feel, he's doing the everies. I wrote down what the everies are. Uh, he makes you feel like you're one of God's chosen. Uh, that you're one of those that's predestined. You feel familyed with Tim Skiles, don't you? You feel like he, he wants you to know that God sets you free so you can be. Yeah, and, 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 and forgiveness is real. Here's what, see, Tim sees the everies, just like Paul and just like some of you. You, you look at people and, you, and, and you, you, you see a 10 on their head when someone else has called them a two because you see through the eyes of the everies. And so when you see through the eyes of the everies, everybody that comes into the body of Christ in the family of God, you know God chose them. God predestined them. God has familyed them. God has freed them. God has forgiven them. And God has sealed them. They belong to Jesus. Yeah. You be like, you see people as holy and blameless because that's how God sees us. When you see yourself and you say it and you can see it on others, you see that everybody that comes into the family of God is in it to win it. And why are they in it to win it? Because God has predestined them to the praise of his glory. Woo! You see people as having the it factor. You know what the it factor is? Christ in you and Christ on you. If Christ is in you and Christ is on you, you have the it factor. You're not it. He's it. But he's made you it in him because you're not separated from him. 
even when you feel it if you're in Christ. Nothing can separate you from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You are Yahweh's child. That means that you're drenched in forgiveness, not just a little bit of forgiveness, but it says that the forgiveness of our sins has been lavished on us. I looked up that word. It's the same word you use for a downpour of rain. I had a vision a long time ago of seeing these little kids in a street drenched in a downpour of rain, dancing in their bare feet in the street. And the Lord said, that's the kind of church you're going to pastor. He said that to me before I ever walked in the door of Crestown Assembly of God Church. Drenched. Bless everyone in some way. If we're, if, if, while you're waiting on God to give you a vision of what you're to do, just start seeing everybody with the everies and blessing everybody with the everies. You know why that's so important? Because although that's who we are in Christ, everyone that I've met in the last couple months or year is in a battle. Most of the people I know that are in a battle right now say, this is the biggest battle I've ever been in since I've been a Christian. Is anyone else on that ship? Huh? And you know what else I've, I've come to find out? Not everybody's winning. But here, child of God, listen to this. God wants to put his good word on you, even though you don't feel like you're winning because you have the it factor and you've already won because he's already won and you are where he are and he's never going to leave you, never going to leave you alone. You're in it to win it. You're in it to win it. You're in it to win it. I was standing right over there leaning against that wall on a one, on a, uh, uh, what do you call it, one night worship night. And I saw my son leading worship. First time back from uh, moving here from Annapolis, he was leading worship. And the Spirit of God was moving, as it always does, through our worship team. And I got to watch my son doing his thing that night. The Lord's over there. And I can remember months, years and years ago when we were going through a personal storm in our family and, and, the, and the enemy was telling me stuff. And have, has he ever talked to you? And, and, and boasting about how he's going to do this and how he's going to do he's the He's the original narcissist. He believes his own junk. And he likes to boast about himself. I'm going to this and I'm going to that and you're not going to. And I heard all that, I heard all that, I heard all that, I heard that. And, I, and every lie, everything that he told me that even at one point seemed true was not true. And I was watching my son lead worship, and it was more than me watching my son lead worship. I was seeing a crown of God's victory over, over what God was going to do in spite of what the devil said he was going to do. And now, don't clap yet, because i got one more thing to say. And as I stood right over there, the Holy Spirit said to me, Tim, I always win. 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 I always win. I always win. I always win. Who overcomes the world? He who believes that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. There is good on you, and there is good on them. And you know what? Good is needed right now like never before. Good words are needed like never before. So here's what we're to do. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, Paul says, Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is what? Good for what? Edification. It's a, it's a constructive word. It, 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 it's a temple metaphor. It's, it's, it's it, 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 to build you up, to build you up, to build you up. Have you ever gone to someone who's, who has the ministry of encouragement and said, you know what, I wish, you'd, I wish you'd quit encouraging me. Just please stop. Please. I can't take it anymore. No. No. No, we don't do that, right? Every now, I don't know if, if it's like me, but, you know, um, uh, 
maybe you're like me at times. You think, you know, Lord, I could really use some encouragement in my life right now. So, according to the need of the moment, which means when we walk in the Spirit, it's always good to say good things to people. It's always the right thing to do, always. Always. You can't underdo it, overdo it. Overdo it. How do you know if you're overdo it? They'll tell you. But we can way underdo it. But in some of those times, there is something going on you don't know about. Something going on in that other person's life, and they need something. And you being there at just the right time, clothed up in Jesus, with the it factor, say that thing that you don't even realize that the impact of it's going to do on someone else's life. And you might hear back from them, you might not hear back from them. But it is what they needed in that moment. That is what this is talking about. If you and I stay tuned to that, say, Lord, I'm awake today, I'm going to let the everies out of me today. I'm going to let the everies out of me so it will give grace to somebody who hears it. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as in God. How much forgiveness do we give to others? Well, how much do you need from Jesus? I hope, I hope I never pull out the last withdrawal in my I need forgiveness account. Raise your hand. Grace on our lips. Let's bless the family of God with the Everys. Let's do it. Let's not say one negative word about any other church in our town. Let's not say one negative word about any other pastor or pastor's wife or or a brother or sister in Christ. Let's not say one more negative thing about anybody else. You know what? The disciples said, Lord, we saw a guy driving a devil out of somebody in your name, and we told him to quit because he wasn't with us. Jesus said, what? 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 If they're doing what you're, they're with you. That's your bro that you don't know. I saw a Ravens guy walk in this door today with his shirt on. And by faith, I reached out and gave him the Everys. I don't understand it. I don't get it. But he is who he is by the grace of God. I, I, I don't. No, God love you, man. God love you. You'll probably beat us like you do every year anyway. Anyway, let's move on. Let the blessing of God. Oh, my gosh. Who put this girl in the front? Where's our usher? I got a, I got a raven shirt looking at me in the front row today. Here, if I didn't love you so much, happy birthday. Thank you. What else you got? What else you got? You got a hat for me? Raven's hat? Yeah, right, yeah, 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 yeah. There, there are, listen, there are people who need to know that God wants to show them kindness. So let's show them kindness. There are people who need to know they're blessed because there are a lot of people that are telling them they're not. There are people who need to know they're holy and blameless in His sight, positionally, even if they're not practically in that moment. If they're in Christ, they're still holy and blameless in His sight. If we'd set our sights with the way he has insight, we'd all come up to a higher place. Bill Boyard said, opinion is really the lowest form of human knowledge and communication. Let me ask you a question. You're on social media? 
are opinions flowing from every Tom, Dick, Harry, and every, every expert and those who aren't but think they are? Everybody knows everything, everybody. Me too. Every TV network, well, here's our contributors on the, you know, and, and you're just like, you know what? Opinion is really the lowest form of human knowledge. It requires no accountability, no understanding. The highest form of knowledge is empathy. And now I want to add the highest form of connection is blessing others. Empathy requires us to suspend our egos and live in somebody else's world for a minute. And I would add, empathy grows as we see others through the eyes of the one who died for them, regardless of their opinion is different than ours. Whatever we see, we'll say. Whatever we see, we believe. And whatever we believe, we display. Whatever we entertain in our mind, we will ascertain in the lives of ourselves and others. Paul said it like this, the mind controlled by the flesh is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. If we see how Jesus sees, we can see people with holes and lame without seeing the way Jesus sees, because Satan will show you that and more about yourself and about others. We can see people with holes and lame, or we can see people holy and without blame. And the way we display what we think we see that we say on others shows us who is saying to us what to see. There are holy and blameless people in the church from the least to the greatest, and some of them don't know it. There are people who need to know they have been chosen to be his sons and daughters, not second class. There are people who need to know they're forgiven. And a lot of people really, really believe that Jesus has forgiven them, but they're not sure if the church has. There are people who need to know they were set free already, even though they're struggling with things that practically they're still struggling with. Let's freely, come on, let's freely give people Jesus' emancipation proclamation, because that's what Paul is doing. There are those who need to know they have a destiny. This afternoon, I, get, I have the privilege of being able to speak to a bunch of middle school, high school kids at the field of faith, and uh, I have a theme that was, was given, and I want to stay on that theme, but yesterday, the Holy Spirit began to just flood my soul about a particular kind of kid that's going to be there tonight, and, and, and I want to talk to them about believing in their destiny, even though their life's been nothing but seemingly destruction. Unbeknownst to you and me, not on the outside that we all see, but on the inside, many of us see ourselves as dried up and dead. 
bones. And what we need to do is what God told Ezekiel to do. Speak the word over them. Speak the word over them. Bless them with the everies. Bless them with the everies. For there are times that your brothers and sisters have a need to be reminded of how God sees them. There are times that your brothers and your sisters can't lift their own hands up to God in prayer. There are times that your brothers and your sisters are standing in the accusations of the enemy over real failures that they should have succeeded in, over times of discouragement, over times of disappointment, over times of heartache and times of great pain. On the outside, you don't see it, but it's all over the inside. And someone needs to come along with the blessings of the Everies at just the right time. And you don't even know and need to know if it's the right time. But if you're in the Everies and saying them and seeing them and displaying them, you will show up on God's time for the time that person needs to be built up in the grace of God. Will somebody say, I'm going to start doing that in Jesus' name. Is there anybody who needs to be reminded that they're gifted by God? Gifted by God. Gifted by God. Every one of us, grace has been given. He goes on to say, we've, he poured out gifts how, according to the measure of Christ. According to the measure of Christ. That's how gifted. Let us bless them with the everies. How do, you, how do you set the heavens in earthly places? I'm telling you, put, he's put the words in our mouth to establish the heavens on the earth in the foundations. So let's not only speak it, but let's make a move close enough for people to hear it. Because there's this picture in Ephesians that ties back to the Isaiah part that we looked at over the last couple of weeks about waking up and, and God putting words in our mouth and wanting us to speak. And there's a chapter in, in that whole song that Isaiah is writing that describes the kind of feet, the kind of shoes on the feet of people who are speaking the everies, the gospel, the good words, and it's and then Paul uses that and brings it over in Ephesians 6, and he, said, and he describes them as, as peace on your feet. Beautiful feet, Isaiah says. Beautiful feet. Think of, I don't know about you. I don't know if you would, if you would describe your feet as beautiful. Um, we don't want to know or see. We'll just take, hopefully that's true. You don't want to bear false witness about your feet con condition, but regardless of your struggling with your real, if we bless people with the everies, God sees us as people having beautiful feet. So here's the reason why we have to be closer to one another. Here's the reason why, especially if we are doing ministry on Sundays or whatever days in the church, that we don't pass by our ministry on our way to ministry because people are our ministry. People. People. Always have a little bit of time for people. Always take a little bit of time. And we need to make a move to where people are because they might not be able to hear us from a distance or a long distance. Sometimes people need more than a text. They need a talk. 
They need an eye to eye and a face to face. Sadly, 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 we live in an age where we text more than we talk. It's so convenient, but it's not necessarily always the highest level. And we'll even do it with our kids, our spouses. We'll even do it with our parents and our grandparents. All the time in the world to text when people actually would like to have our presence. Our presence. Look what it says in Ephesians 6. For shoes, for shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. Now, again, when you and I, if you've read Ephesians and you've, you've done the, the put on the armor of God and you, you, have, you understand that if you're new, the, these metaphors of the church, one of them is an army and we're fighting spiritual battles, not against people, but against spiritual entities, dark spirits. And we're to put on, the, and he names these armors, it's a picture of a Roman, a Roman soldier and he uses that time frame to describe how we, we stand in the battle. And most of the time we read that we think about our own armor put on our own armor for our own battle to win our own victories. And that's not wrong. That's not wrong, but, but it's wrong if that's the only way we look at it because what we need to see is that other people are in battles. And there are times where other people can't win the battle by themselves most of the time. And we're not just fighting our own battles but as his army, we are, we are sent. We are sent to bless others in the battle they're fighting. Putting on the armor of God, a lot of times I've seen that, you've seen it as a self-focus too often for our own battle. But I want you to think of this way. Put on the shoes of peace, not just for you, but so that you can fight for those who need to know they belong in the body. Fight for those who need to know they belong in the family. Make sure they know they're a part of this family. Fight for those who have the Spirit of God in the temple of their heart and that God hasn't left them alone. Remind them that they're not orphans. Remind them that his legacy of peace, he can speak to their heart. He is inside their life. Remind them they can hear God as a sheep, that they're part of the flock and the shepherd is over their life. Remind them, go with them with shoes of peace, with beautiful feet, and tell them that they're beautiful and Jesus loves them and that Jesus loves them and this you know. They're part of the bride of Christ and they're also a fellow soldier. There's a scene in, ba in Band of Brothers where, where they're, the, uh, the Germans are bombing the heck fire. Out of, out of them in the, in the, in the force of Verdun. Uh, it's during the Battle of the Bulge, and, and I mean, they're just coming at them, and people are dying, buddies are dying, people are getting hit in foxholes, and there's this scene where this one guy escapes that's all around, and he dives into a foxhole, and he gets in there with two other buddies, and they're literally trembling, scared out of their minds, scared out of their minds, and all of a sudden, the one looks at the other and goes, Chocolate? Sometimes, sometimes you don't need to have a Bible verse. Sometimes you don't need to have a prophetic word. Sometimes you just need to look at them and go, chocolate. There's all kinds of things we can do for people. We don't always have to be Billy Graham. Just be you. Just bring the everies. Oh, look at Romans 10. This is why that scripture that Tim preached on 
why it says, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. That's not just for those in evangelism that are going to meet in a crusade. That's not just for me preaching tonight down on Canal Place. It's all of us bringing the everys in the coffee line, at the growth track, whatever else we do, wherever else we're in the home groups. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. You know why that's so important? Because life can be hard, and life is hard, but God is good. Rick Warren said that one of the gifts that God has given believers is a family to belong to, the church. In his book, Why on Earth Are We Here?, he talks about God creating a family for you and I to belong to, a community where we realize we're welcome. So many of you in there touched my heart. Some, you know, my, my, my blood family, you know, my Graham Slam and Emmy sitting there and, and all my little buddies from the, the Wharton clan and the Briner clan and all that. But, you know, some of you guys that were on there and some of you guys that send me things, you're my brothers, you're my sisters. It means the world to me. It means more than the world to me. My man Jordan Klein invited me to go to a pirate game a couple years ago and we went over there and spent the day and ate till we couldn't eat anymore. And seeing him say that on there, I feel the same way about you, Jordan. When I'm talking about these blessings, I'm not talking about pie in the sky, denying reality, that we're talking about an easy living idea. I don't know anybody's life that's easy right now. We're in a battle. We're in a battle. We're in a war. It's a cosmic fight between darkness and light. It's spiritual. We see it. We are in a war, guys. The beast wants it all. As, as Dustin said a couple weeks back, Jezebel wants it all. It's true. But we have the victory. Come on. Come on, we have the victory. Jesus Christ said the strategies of hell will not prevail. We can bind, we can loose, we've been blessed and we can bless, we can plant our feet in the victory of Christ, we can stand in his grace, we can stand in his peace, we can speak God's word, we can use the keys and we can win. We're in it to win it. Come on somebody, we're in it to win it. Are you in it to win it? Are you in it to win it? Are you good enough to win it and watch others lose it? We don't want anybody to lose it. And it's way easier to go through this life in the family of God. The New Testament letters that we read were written to contexts way different than ours. There wasn't a city Corinth, Ephesus, Thessalonica, it doesn't matter. They were in hell fire battles. And many of them weren't going to come out of it alive. Those people always knew what the great tribulation was. There are people that are in China, Iran, Afghanistan, when the great tribulation of the last seven come, it's just going to be normal for them. That's, that's their way of life. God's people can stand faithful in courage to fight battles when the body of Christ and the family of God 
in the moment of need with peace on their feet, good words coming from their mouth, can encourage them to stand faithful in the storm. If a thousand are falling at their side and 10,000 at their right hand, they can know because you're there. You're in the foxhole with me. And it's not coming to us. We're, gonna, we're in it to win it, brother. Chocolate? <laughs> Blessing people with the Everys can start with words, but it can't stay just with words. Life is so hard that people need our words, but they need more than our words. They need us. I said they need us. Listen, if someone tells you when we get life groups really rolling, they said they prayed about it, and they don't feel that God wants them in it, say, well, you've been wrong before. (laughs) I've heard you say some dumb things, but I'll just write that one in the book too. We need one another, and we don't know how deeply we need one another. What an awesome opportunity we have right now with the world going nuts to provide community and strength and acceptance and family and shelter and encouragement in the presence of another. Don't be foolish, but understand what the will of God is for the days are evil. That's what I'm preaching when I'm preaching. That's why I'm saying what I'm saying. So much of life right now reminds me of this story Jesus told after being asked what the greatest commandment was, and he said, love God with all your heart and your neighbor as yourself, and someone to justify himself because he wasn't doing the neighbor as yourself thing, because he was just opinionated. And he said, well, who is my neighbor? (laughs) So Jesus says, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, and they stripped him and beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. And he goes on to say different people who knew the Bible were probably looking at their phone, looking up a Bible verse, and walked right by him, or on their way to minister. Walked right by him. But a Samaritan who was on a journey came upon him, and when he saw him, he felt. And when he saw him, he felt compassion. And he, what did he do? He closed the distance, didn't he? He came to him. And he bandaged up his wounds, and he poured oil and wine on them, and he put him on his own beast. He put him in the back seat of his car, and he brought him to a, what's the next word? Say it out loud. He brought him to an inn, and then what? Took care of him. Here's what I know. Most of those beaten up don't look on the outside half dead when they're feeling half dead on the inside. I know I never do. I know at times when I feel half dead and someone says, how you doing, Pastor Tim? I say, hey, I say what you say. 
pretty good. I mean, what are you supposed to say? Listen, I'm ready to quit. If one more person, right? How you doing? Good, how are you doing? Half dead. Oh, I wish you wouldn't have told me that. Because I just was throwing out wind. How you doing? Most of those beaten up don't look like they're half dead on the outside. They're checking out the grocery counter, running their things through. They're kissing their kids goodbye at the bus stop, deciding whether to buy that shirt at the clothing rack with their Kohl's cash, walking out of the restaurant, posting good news, cool pictures on Facebook, and even preaching and lifting up others but inside half dead. And we all need to have grace on our lips because of the theme that's filling our heart, peace on our feet because of the kindness that's filling our heart. Blessing with good words is a must. It supplies grace to the hearer, but we must must go much deeper as Jesus goes on and asks this question. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the robber's hands? And he said, the one who showed mercy toward him. And Jesus said, go and do the same. There are people who have been brought into this inn that need more than a seat. There are people who have brought themselves to our inn, and they need doorways and pathways to circles of friendship and family. Nobody in our church can go deep with everybody, but everybody can go deep with somebody. One of the things I say to my family, because I've got a lot of family in this church, is when we have gatherings together here, Please don't sit with your family. We see each other 35 hours a day. Don't just take our little McGregor clan, our little Wharton clan, our little whoever clan, and we go over here and sit in our little thing. And if you're staff, you're here to work, and your work is people. But so is yours. It is about the corn roast, but it's not all about the corn roast. Because there are people who are eating corn next to you, and they're going, isn't it a nice day? I'm not telling you this, but I'm half dead. I don't even know what's going to happen to me in the next month. I don't even know if God knows. But I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Really, I can't, but. Is there somebody experiencing the deep flood Samaritan kind of blessing from somebody else in this inn? Is there somebody experiencing that? Every one of us needs to come before the Holy Spirit and say, 
I not only need you to go deeper with me, I not only need more of you, as most of our worship songs all across America are about, but Lord, help me to give more of you and give more of me. I know you've blessed me with every spiritual blessing in Christ, but not just to be blessed, but to be a blessing. For everybody in the body needs somebody to bring the everies of God's grace in its varied, beautiful forms into their need. Reminder of what James says, my dear brothers and sisters, what good is it if someone claims to have faith but demonstrates no good works to prove it? How, can, how could this kind of faith say, save anybody? For example, if a brother or sister in the faith is poorly clothed and hungry and you leave them saying, goodbye, I hope you stay warm and have plenty to eat, but you don't provide them with a coat or even a cup of soup, what good is your faith? So then faith that doesn't involve action is phony. Everybody needs what I'm about, what I'm talking about. Everybody in this room needs what I'm talking about. They may not look like it, but it's true. I may not look like it, but I do. You may not look like it, but you do too. And so does the one sitting next to you, in front of you, behind you, around you, not around you. Everybody needs the everies. I'm passionate when I preach. I always have been. The greatest passion for ministry in my life for preaching, for using the main gift Jesus has placed in my life for church, which is preaching and teaching, I pastor, I counsel through my preaching, teaching gift. And my passion in that gift has always been strong, but the type of it has changed over the years. Let me explain. God has been refining my life um, and it's come from seeing much more clearly and deeply my own desperate need for the grace of God for me. Only through the wreckage after being received by Jesus have I been able to not just want to preach the truth, but feed your need. Because your need's my need. I tell you, a lot of times I'm preaching to me, you're just here listening. And the reason I preach so long, you don't get up and leave, so I'm, I guess you still want to be here. <laughs> That's not the way it used to be in my journey over 35 years in pastoral ministry. But through the wreckage and hardships of my life, I've, I've come to understand the Hebrew passage that says God selects people as priests um, to others, and he makes them compassionate because he's able to deal gently with people because he's familiar with his own weaknesses and failings. It means that I have my own sins. I hate my sins. You hate your sins? Hate them. I got my own weaknesses. I have my own fears. I have my own storms. 
I have my own lonely paths. I have my own spiritual attacks. And a lot of times, many times, I've been under spiritual attacks when I've been ministering and helping you get through yours. And there have been times that I've watched you get through yours and I've gotten in my car to drive home and said, what about me? Not always. I've had those moments. Some of my most encouraging messages about God's grace have come from my desperate need for it. Same with forgiveness. Same with mercy. I'll close with this. Miracles can begin from the spoken word but are then brought to completion through our beautiful feet. The mission doesn't end at the end. But when that one, the one we're ministering to, is also setting the heavens and earthly places too. So would you close your eyes with me for a minute, just real still before the Lord. Here's some questions that the Holy Spirit's asking all of us. How deep are we in? How deep are we in? How deep are we willing to get other people into the everies? I, 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 I mean you. I mean you. Not the person behind you. You. Not your, not your friend. Not your dad. Not your wife. You. Not your husband. And, and the person next to you. From the front row here to the back row. Um, how deep, this is, this is what the Holy Spirit's saying to all of us in a way. How deep would you like to go into the everies yourself? Very deep, I'm sure, but so would everybody else. Are you awake to the gifts of grace that he's poured out on your life so you can pour your life out into the family of faith? How deep regarding connection are you? How deep are you in connecting others to a doorway and a pathway now that they've come into the inn? Will you go with the Holy Spirit into the blessing and bring people into their part in this family? Deep connection into the family of God as a brother, as your sister? Will you listen to the voice of the shepherd so that you can be a blessing to someone in a time of need? On the other side of their answer, yes, I'm doing fine, just like you, just like me, there's another side to the story of our lives and we all need the Everys. Would you stand please? Heavenly Father, I thank you that I have a, a spiritual family here that just blessed me today with a song on my, about my birthday and, and people that are always kind. I thank you for the journey that we've been on together. And I pray 
There's not a one of us that can do anything apart from your grace. But thank you that you've put your grace on all of us. I pray for everybody struggling, that everybody that we cannot help in our own strength, and we all feel limited and all feel like it's not enough. We all feel that way. We're all like Philip. It would take a year's wages to give a morsel. And then you got other people that are saying, how about two loaves of fish and we can do this? We, and we, well, uh, only you, Jesus. We just throw ourselves into your hands. Just break us, bless us, speak well of us, and multiply us so that no one goes without. Build up your family. Let us all give the blessings. Let us all swim in the everies. And let us all bring them. I pray for anyone that needs Jesus today in the family of God or yet to be. You died on the cross for their sins to purchase their freedom in your blood and wash them clean, make them holy and blameless in your sight, to raise them up out of the tomb of their life, to be seated with you in resurrection glory so that their life can matter, so that their life can matter. Today, if you call on his name, Jesus, you will be saved right here on the spot faster than a New York second. He will save your soul. Just ask him, Jesus, save me forgive me. And every brother and every sister, just say, Lord, here I am. Use me. Send me. I need more blessings than I could ever contain, but I need them. But I don't want to think it robbery. Help me, even in my weakness, even in my storm, to realize we're all in this thing. And Jesus, use us. Let us bless him with the everies. Thank you, Lord. Amen.